Hello again, everyone, and welcome back again to Enterprise Linux Security. I'm here as always with Zhao. How are you doing? I'm good, Jay. A pleasure to be here with you as always. And yep. another fine episode today. We're looking at some vulnerabilities and some security incidents, as if that doesn't happen like every other day. But the ones that we have today are pretty interesting. Yeah, very timely too, because they're definitely all over the news. And it's like there's one developing, there's one that, you know, a couple that have been in the news of at least a few days. Um, I'm not quite sure how long, but yeah, we need to talk about these events and these situations accordingly. So how about we get started? Yeah, let's go. So right. the first one that we have today is called Dirty Pipe. Uh, I don't know how many of the people listening will remember Dirty Cow from 2016 but it was a vulnerability that exploited uh, copy and write, which is a mechanism that um, prevents you from overwriting data directly when you're writing a file. So whenever you want to write something to the disk, it would create a copy somewhere else and it would write that information on that new location. And there was an exploit that came out that uh, found the race condition in that uh, write and managed to exploit that to get root privileges. The, there's a lot of other steps involved there, but that was basically it. It exploited that um, that functionality in the kernel. And this week we have dirty pipe. So yeah, I don't know who's naming this thing, but really please stop. Yeah, I had um, a dirty pipe, uh, what was it, two weeks ago that ended up <laughs> bursting and causing water to flood into the basement. Um, it's that, the that usual. Wasn't, but it's, it's not that, we're not talking about plumbing today. <laughs> No, we're actually talking about pipes. And anybody who's ever done basically anything on Linux knows what we're talking about. It's that vertical line. It basically is a way to redirect output and to feed output from one command to the next command in line when you're trying to get, I don't know, trying to get interesting results here. Um, it turns out that pipes are not just used directly on the shell. You can actually create them in code if you want to use inter-process communications. And when you define them in code, you can specify some flags that control how the pipe behavior will actually be when it's created. And through two commits, two different commits to the Linux kernel over the past, I believe the first one was in 2017 and the other one 2020, I believe. Don't quote me on that one. It might have been 2021, but still. Two different commits. One just reordered the way that the flags were defined in the codes, and the second one uh, actually touched on the actual pipe creation process. There is a buffer that gets created when a pipe is defined, and through a combination of both changes on those commits that were added to the kernel, it's possible to, to reach a point where the, the behavior is undefined. And through that undefined behavior, you can actually control, you as a user, as a user of the system, can actually control how the pipe um, touches whatever you want it to, to touch, whatever command you want to pass the, the output to, in a way that lets you overwrite even write-protected files. Okay? And that's pretty massive. Imagine, yeah, for example, oh. imagine, for example, if you can overwrite uh, uh, Etsy Shadow, for example. That's just one way of getting your credentials in there or just changing right. the, your groups or just changing configurations that you're not supposed to. Change and the authorized keys file, I mean. For man. example. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and the, yeah, this has been getting some traction on new sites. It's pretty big. Um, 
it's basically it basically affects any kernel above 5.8 until the very last versions but that touches on all the big distributions like the red hats and the centos and ubuntu's and all have that even android is affected by this so if you don't have root on android congratulations now you can um yep yeah, there, there's <laughs> the way in right there <laughs> <laughs> Yep. I don't know. They, they spend days and days and lots of man hours on trying to prevent people from getting root, and then stuff like this comes up and just throws all that in the garbage. Here's the wild garbage. idea: How about like allowing people to have root on the device that they bought? Just saying. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's another story altogether, though. That's a revolutionary idea, right there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so far there is no remote attack vector available, but like Dirty Cow, when it came out, when it was announced in 2016, um, it had no remote uh, remote attack vector either. Until somebody found out that it could be exploited when you had a web server that accepted file uploads. And by letting users upload their own content to the server, they could trigger this. So it's not impossible for Dirty Pipe to have a, a remotely available exploit pass in the near future. And by near future, I mean tomorrow or the day after. Um, this right. was announced on Monday or Sunday or something like that, like five days before we are recording. And um, from then until today, there have been lots of variants already uh, appearing, for example, really simple exploit code that lets you overwrite not just any file, but SUID files as well. So you can replace uh, root commands for whatever you want them to be, controlled by you, obviously. And that's a pretty bad situation for sysadmins, because if you have users on your system, regular users, now they're also root. Yeah, you can have root. You can have root. Everybody gets root, <laughs> basically. Yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. And even if you know, just to underscore the obvious, which may not be obvious to everyone. Um, you know, there's no external way to utilize this vulnerability. A vulnerability chain can. Um, so maybe some other way into the system, they get into the system, but they hit a brick wall, they can't do anything, but they're in the system, but they don't have privileges there. Um, could there be a way to activate this vulnerability from a different one. I mean, that's just the way it works. So, so we're chaining files or commands together with the pipe symbol, but we're also doing that. To, we've been doing that with vulnerabilities forever. That's how vulnerabilities are, are done. You start with one, you go to the next, you go to the next, and you utilize as many as you can to get to um, you know what you want. Um, so it's kind of like one of those things when you first start out in security, you're like, okay, so it's not remotely exploitable. Whew, oh gosh, that's great. I'm I'm so relieved. That's how you feel when you start out. And then later on, you're, it doesn't mean as much, right? It doesn't mean yeah. much to you later on. It's it closes, like, okay. It closes meaning. So Definitely. it's 5% harder for the person to use. Got it. <laughs> and the exploit code is that simple. Uh, the code that was published when the, um, the exploit was announced was just I don't know, it had lots of lines of code, but 99% of those lines of code were just uh, security measures for the code itself, making sure it didn't receive uh, other inputs and validating wherever it was running and all that. The actual exploit code was three or four lines long. It's really simple to exploit this. And uh, getting root on whatever system you're logged into, it's pretty handy for an attacker. Like you said, Hmm. It's just a nice way to escalate your privileges when you get inside of a system. 
So the the new Atari VCS console, um, they locked out the BIOS with a password, which is driving people crazy, even though they bought it. I wonder now, just use this vulnerability, get root access to it, uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, like clear the BIOS password. Okay, I'm just um, <laughs> getting ahead of myself here. But this was actually, from what I understand, I'm looking at an article from ZDNet, and it looks like Max Kellerman is one who discovered this. Yeah, and he discovered this while he was working on a ticket about um, regarding corrupt files. So that's kind yeah. of a big jump. I don't know the last time or if I've ever heard of a vulnerability being discovered when someone's on the front lines, you know, fixing problems for someone. I'm sure that is probably common, but um, in this case, that's you know one thing leads to another. Oh, there's a vulnerability here, um, and it's way more complicated than that. But um, that's how it started. The article that uh, that the guy published is pretty good. It's a very interesting read, and it's also very long. So if you have time, do take a look if you're interested into finding out how these vulnerabilities get discovered. Yep. But uh, to give you a, a brief uh, about it, it's that he works at a company that provides uh, hosting services or something like that for other companies, and he was getting tickets about uh, logs being corrupted. It wasn't too frequent, it wasn't every day, but every now and again he would receive a log file that was corrupted. And the log file was a zip. It was a zip file. And it turns out that the process that created those log files would pipe the, the output of several different processes into a large file and then create the zip, and then push the zip to a location. And every now and then, one of those zip files would have a corrupt header. And they couldn't figure out why that header was getting corrupted because the corruption, the way that it was happening and the values that it showed when it got corrupted were basically always the same. So it wasn't like it was just calculating something wrong. It was actually writing always the same information to the wrong place when the pipe was being completed. And after a lot of uh, staring at the code and all that, he couldn't find the, the error on his side. So he did what any good uh, programmer does. He pointed his finger to somebody else and said it was a bug in the kernel. And this time, and like 99% of the other times, <laughs> it was actually in the kernel. So yeah, wow. he bisected the, the kernel. He identified the commits that created this, and he reached um, the pipe code and the changes that were committed last year. Looking deeper into that, he identified both last year's commit and the other one from 2017. Um, and yeah, the the whole process. It does a pretty good write up of the the process how we reach this. It's very interesting. You should really take a look into this if you are interested in just in knowing how people actually find these things, because some of them are so out of their minds. So it's so weird to just come across something like this. Because how many times have you used pipes on a Linux system? I mean, it's every day basically. Really? Daily, like, 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 yeah, like frequently, not even, I mean, daily is underselling it. I mean, it's, it's constant. <laughs> yeah. Show so. me the output grab for something, just uh, cut something out, just uh, do a replacement, all that. You're piping output from one to the next one and processing that. And, and this is the crazy thing. Everybody's using pipes and pipes have this bug. And how many outputs have been corrupted over the years and nobody noticed? Or worse, it, you had because someone, it could have happened. Yeah, it could have. I mean, you could have had someone that just didn't think to look at the kernel. Like, I don't know. I've tried everything I could think of, and this happens sometimes, right? You just and those ones noticed. 
But yeah. what if you didn't notice? What if you just have this running inside of a script and you never actually looked at what it's creating? And then every now and then there's a corrupted output somewhere. Because corrupted backups, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, for that, example, horrible. You can pretty easily pipe the output from tar to gzip, gzip or something like that and pipe it and it gets corrupted somewhere in the middle because this would be happening in the wild without the exploit anyway. The exploit is just the easy way to trigger this, but the flaw was there. Wow. I mean, it's so amazing that this individual, I mean, he really knows what he's doing. I mean, it's, you know, like, like you said, there's a lot of finger pointing in IT and yeah. sometimes it's unavoidable because sometimes you're right. Sometimes it is yeah. like outside your realm and it is in someone else's realm and they could be defensive. Oh, I don't know, man, that's not me. I don't know what you're talking about. I got no problems over here. It becomes a back and forth, but um, meme comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he, this individual is like, okay, he, he, he knows what he's doing. He, he knows where the bug is. And um, that's, just such a great mentality because if if um like I said it could just be an issue where like I don't know why this this is happening it's weird um oh I don't know um I tried to find out I couldn't um but you know like we were trying to think of a name of something before the podcast started it's like you get it in your head like I really need to solve this I really need to figure yeah. this out um you know and some of us, we get that in our heads, like we just, okay, we need to fix this problem. We need to figure this out because we're not going to forget about it until we do. And uh, that's uh, either dedication or obsession. I'm not sure which or both. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a bit, of course. Yeah. Um, but it, it shows, for me, it shows one thing very clearly. Um, actually, too. First, this guy was actually capable of doing this analysis and he knew how to look at the code and there is there is an additional factor here. The the web server that was generating the logs was actually written inside of his company, so they had access to the code, and they had been the ones that developed it. Okay, so it's not like they reached to to Apache or Nginx or something like that and started looking at that code, because when you're looking at the foreign code base, uh, it's really tricky to do this. If you have some familiarity with the code, it's probably easier to know where to look for for the problems. Um, and the second thing is that imagine this has happened in a company where people were not that familiar with the code or did not have this level of knowledge. They would never have been able to track this down. It's just not something that you go out of your way to do. And he only went out of his way because the, the tickets never stopped. He actually ignored it the first time and somebody actually forced him to look at the issue and he mentioned that on the write-up. And then another and then another and then he noticed that it was like, I don't know, 10 or 12 every month or something like that. Wow. Out of dozens others. So it started to show that there was an issue there. But again, the, the process that he did, uh, that he explains he really goes through all the thought process and all the steps that he went through to, to reach that it was actually a, a bug in the kernel. And it's very interesting. It's a really good uh, read there. You know, what's interesting is um, if I didn't know this and, and if I didn't know about this at all and someone came to me with this problem, I would be like, yeah, we need to test your RAM. We need to test mem. We need to run mem test 86 on your memory. Make sure you don't have it, you know, corrupted stick of a RAM or something like that. Because it, 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 it can cause this kind of thing. And it he did that. Uh, that was be, one of the steps. Oh, gosh. I think this might be one of the... Um, if not the only time I've seen an issue like this that wasn't due to faulty RAM. Yeah. Wow. It usually, is. it usually is bad hardware somewhere. 
or overheating yeah, on even. overheating will cause you will probably give you this as well it's possible to get that wow um, but they did test the hardware they did try running it on different servers and all that and because this didn't happen all the time it was actually hard to reproduce because they couldn't reproduce it whenever they wanted and so until they reached that stage when they could get it reproduced at will they couldn't actually go look for the source so that's actually something really important to keep in mind when you have an issue if you mm -hmm. can't reproduce it when you file your bug report even if it's with your service provider or whatever or whoever is selling you the service if they can't reproduce the issue on their end there's no way they're going to fix it it's right. impossible they can't test anything that they do on their end to see if it's fixed or not because they cannot reproduce the problem so that's a really important part of the, the process that's also frustrating for a lot of people too when they just want something fixed and, and they yeah. don't know how to navigate it yeah. themselves and then the other end doesn't know how to reproduce it and it's like yeah. well nothing happens at that point yeah and it's probably when you get those nasty calls for customer support and all that you're never fixing my issue i'm still stuck with this it's been months since i reported yeah we can't nail it down and then you get this <laughs> this exchange going. The guys from the company will tell you there's no issue because they cannot reproduce it. And you keep complaining that there is an issue because it's happening on your machine. And you'll never agree. And this is the source for lots of disagreements on this type of situations. Yep. Even more finger pointing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Found it. Quite Spider Man meme. Oh yeah, that Spider-Man meme. That that's that that's got to be like the official meme of this show, <laughs> in some ways, because it's it's always I and mean, there's there's it's never one person Someone's involved in security. There's never a time when it's just one person. It just doesn't happen. It's always multiple people, always. Yeah. So, yep. Okay, yeah. and another thing interesting about this one. Um, all the major um, distributions have come out with patches for this. The patch turns out it's pretty simple. It's basically a one-liner just changing the, the order of the flags and it gets fixed. And one interesting aspect there, and this time I'm going to brag openly here, um, we at TuxCare with Kernel Care, we are the only ones providing live patches for this. Um, kernel Care um, has live patch for, I don't know how many distributions that fixes this while Red Hat's K-Patch, for example, they say they cannot live patch it. And patching something like this live means that you can fix it immediately rather than waiting for a maintenance window, and it really helps with security. It really does. Um, refresh me on this. I don't know if you're aware, but I, I remember reading about Red Hat's um, auto-patch service and that they're really not... I mean, they're they're all in, but they're not at the same time. Like... They provide this, but they don't seem to be as focused on uptime as other solution providers that provide a solution like this. So um, I thought I read somewhere in their articles, um, their documentation, that while they provide this auto patch service as a convenience, they really aren't trying to tell you that you can keep your server on all the time, even though that's what you know everyone wants. Um, yeah. But I might be misquoting it. Do you, you remember what I'm talking about? Something in their documentation yeah, is I do. different about I others. I wouldn't want to be casting shadow on them, but um, yeah. they do have on their documentation that this is only for very small fixes and it's not That's something that you I'm should like. rely for on production. They do yeah. have this written down on their documentation. I That's really don't want to, to badmouth them or not. They have amazing products. Big oh, shout yeah. out to, to Red Hat. Um, but yeah, they do have that information regarding their live patching uh, solution. 
and it's I open for it's, everybody to see. Um, yeah, I think it's a difference in priority, right? Um, de depending on the company, depending on the product, it's just um, either it's a really important deliverable feature or it's not as important yeah. as other features. And of course, Red Hat has a lot of great stuff out there. So yeah, they're yeah, going yeah. to prioritize the best they can. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, as a company, you just got to consider your solution. And um, I do kind of understand where Red Hat is coming from, though, because I feel like if you're doing it right, then a reboot shouldn't really be a problem. But it is a problem for so many companies, though, unfortunately. It is. But there's a, a deeper angle here. Doing live patching actually does prevent the reboots. And you can have your servers running for months or even years and still be completely protected from new threats as they appear, and even faster than if you were doing the reboots. But mm -hmm. the thing here is that it gives you back control. As a system administrator, you get back control of your maintenance, of your operations. Rather than being reacting whenever a new vulnerability comes out and having to scramble to get the maintenance window approved on inside of your company and getting the downtime and getting the systems patched and then back up again and making sure everything is okay. Life patching just solves the problem and then lets you do the reboot at your own pace. Whenever you're ready to do it, whenever you have your maintenance windows, your regular maintenance windows, you can then take down the systems and fix anything else that you want. Yep. It's a question of getting back control. Rather than being reactive, you can be proactive and keeping your systems control uh, secure in the meantime. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Be proactive if you can. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And yep, that's probably about it for uh, for Dirty Pipe. And we can continue on to the next one. And the next one. <laughs> yeah. And the next one is something that is very unexpected. And I'm completely joking here. Who could have guessed that Spectre has a new variant? Yay, everybody. Because it's like the 20th variant of Spectre and Meltdown that we've seen over the years. And this wow. week, there's a new one. And this new one is even more insidious. Why? Because all the protections that were put in place to cover for the previous 20 variants are no longer useful, and this one can break them all. So it's called, let me not get this wrong, Branch History Injection. And it was uh, discovered by VUSEC security researchers. Um, there's actually two CVEs associated with this. It's CVE 2022-0001 and 002. It's uh, the, the first two of this year. They were the first requested in this year, and they are just now being, uh, being announced. Um, it hits Intel CPUs and also ARM. So ARM also gets it. Uh, get some love here oh. from Spectre. And uh, yeah, it's the same thing. It lets uh, you snoop on other processes that you shouldn't have access to. Like, uh, say, for example, they have an example video of this, and you can get the hash for the root password in a few seconds. So <laughs> you have to remember that for the first protections, when you had Red Poline added to the kernel, and when you mm -hmm. had all those mitigations added to the microcode on the CPUs, you were getting a performance hit, a really massive performance hit. Yep. Now you have that performance hit, and the protections don't work. See how good this is? Oh, boy. That's a double whammy there. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's still the, it's still being, um, more things are still being announced around these vulnerabilities. Um, 
expect this to be big, it won't die down so quickly. Right. None of these variants have. So yeah, in the next few days, we'll probably have some more information about it. Uh, so far, it's just the, the CVE numbers and the information that new variants for Spectre are out there. It's like every other week or every other month, you get a new one, and you, it just doesn't stay that. Right, so developing story. Yeah, absolutely. And we also want to talk about every Linux user's favorite company in the whole wide world. <laughs> every Linux user loves and adores this particular company. <laughs> Come on, now you're just being mean. Um, oh, <laughs> <laughs> NVIDIA had a pretty interesting last week. That's mm -hmm. just one way to put this. Um, it turns out that this hacking group uh, called uh, Lapses with a dollar sign at the end, they decided to target NVIDIA and we'll go through the way that they got access to that data. But they managed to steal some information from NVIDIA, both regarding hardware specifications, how, to how the chips are designed, as well as code and employee information and all that. And from the stuff that they released when they announced that they had this information, uh, by the way, they're demanding a ransom from NVIDIA. Of course. Um, of course, because that's what you do when you get confidential information. Um, they actually released source code for some integrated uh, GPU stuff, and it seems that it's legit. They do have the information about this. And they were asking NVIDIA for a million dollars, I believe, which I seem, seems a bit low, but still. Um, or wow. else they would um, they would release this. They were actually asking NVIDIA to release something else. They were asking NVIDIA to release the source code for Linux, which is something that we would all like. The, yeah, we would love to code. contribute to open source because you hacked our systems and stole our data. Of course we see? would love to do that. that. That'd be great. But see how this gets when you need somebody to ask that as part of a ransom. But yeah, that was something that they were asking for, uh, was that that source code was made available or else everything was leaked to the to the web. Wow. Yeah. Not good. Not good at all. And like any good hacking group, they have a Twitter account, they have a Telegram group, all the, the fun stuff, and they keep posting more and more stuff. Uh, <laughs> this did take a turn, an unexpected turn, uh, later in the week. And we're talking about the previous week when, as we are recording. And mm -hmm. um, this had an interesting turn. It turns out that the way that the hackers got access was through a machine that was outside of the NVIDIA's perimeter network. And being outside, it was still registered on their central identity management. Think, for example, on Windows and Active Directory Server. And they were actually implementing something that we discussed not long ago uh, called Zero Trust. They do have Zero Trust in place at NVIDIA, which kudos to them, good practice. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it turns out that to connect to their VPN, you had to let the NVIDIA servers validate that the machine that you're connecting from was actually meeting their criteria. So it was not uh, rooted or whatever. I don't have the specifics of what they are, were actually checking for, but that machine that the hackers used was actually passing validation and oh. was connected to their internal network. So the hackers and, following the company's protocol because yeah, it's going to be nice. following good it. policy because right. good hackers right there. Um, so they got in, they got access to their file servers, they got in, they got access to basically anything they were on the inside. It's like on Scream, it's coming from inside the house. Um, they got the data they claim to have about a terabyte of data. It's a lot of stuff. 
And then the interesting thing is that later in the week, because NVIDIA is not just sleeping at the wheel and they actually have some pretty knowledgeable people inside, mm -hmm. because the system was still connected and because the system was connected to their central um, server, they ordered that the, the server to tell the system to encrypt all its data. And it did, because it followed compliance and it had all the right clients installed. So NVIDIA hacked the hackers and encrypted their data. Wow. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then they published some information about that, NVIDIA saying that they had encrypted the data and all that. And then the hackers came out and said, oh, we have backups because everybody follows good practices around here, basically. Everyone's doing right. their due diligence to do it the right way, right? Just, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah. That's how you exfiltrate the information right there. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of information. They did came out with that um, with that integrated GPU code, and it turns out to be legit, or it seems to be legit as far as it's possible to tell. Um, they also published some employee data, and they are still, as far as I know, I haven't checked, as far as I know, demanding that uh, ransom from NVIDIA, claiming to still have the information. And the thing is, they're, they are going to release, or they claim to be, to release chip design, the actual files for the, the chip architecture, and that's a pretty massive blow for a company like NVIDIA. In addition right. to source code, in addition to driver's code, to documentation, to all that, it's a pretty big blow if that comes out and turns out to be actually true. Uh, maybe they should have like encrypted their backups too, uh, that person's <laughs> backups, so that way it doesn't have anything to, to leak out. Um, but, but yeah, that's just so crazy that, um, you know, someone just broke in like that. I almost wonder what are the odds that it's a inside actor? Is that a possibility or is it clear that it's not? I don't know yet. I don't know. The, this group seems to have been active on other hacks as well. They claim to have uh, data from other non stuff, not related to NVIDIA. I don't know if it, there is no indication so far. We have seen that in the past. Uh, remember, we discussed a hack where it was some um, disgruntled employee that actually hacked the company. Um, at this point, we don't know yet. I just found it odd that they were able to like pass all the tests. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm yep. not saying that there's no other way to do it than to be an inside person, but obviously, these people that break in, they they you know break in. That's what they do, and if yep. they, they want to check some boxes as they break in. Sure, why not? But. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how this story develops because I feel like there's something else here. There has to be. I don't know what yeah, there has yet. to be. There has to be. And um, well, I don't know if they turn out to release the, the data, and I hope not because it's really going to hurt NVIDIA. If they do end up releasing the data, we might get better kernel, uh, better drivers for Linux. Might be one way to do it. I wish we could. We did it like a, the legit way because NVIDIA yeah. wanted to contribute and provide that information. You know, AMD is pretty open, if not fully open. I've never, I don't remember the last time I've had to install an AMD driver for one of their GPUs. So, um, you know, it's if it wasn't for my editing rig and uh, apparently the software I use being better on um, NVIDIA, allegedly, um, I probably have an AMD card and everything. But um, that being said, NVIDIA, they, they do make great products uh, that they do work well. I uh, just want to see some open source drivers, but I would rather this not be the way that it happens. Yeah, and I don't know if I, if the message got across, but I'm not in any way condoning their behavior. 
<laughs> far right. from it. But this is the story as it has been developing. Um, yep. Another thing that this hacking group has tried to do is sell the information on how to bypass their crypto mining lock that they had on some cards. Mm. And apparently it's possible to disable that just on software. And they found that out on the data that they stole and they are selling that to crypto mining farms and all that. So yeah, there are cards that will turn out to be valuable for miners again. So because the market is not, is not just being starved of graphic cards, there go another batch for the, the crypto miners. Wow. That's um, that's a shame. Yeah, we're definitely not condoning their behavior. And I almost wonder, like, if it were me, um, you know, this happened, if it was my company, I would say, well, I'm definitely not open sourcing it now, as much as I hate to say this. It's just like, um, obviously, it has nothing to do with the open source developers, at least I hope not. Um, I'm sure it doesn't. Um, but, you know, we all want to do it the legit way. But I don't feel, I feel like asking for an open source driver is just, kind of ridiculous like nobody is going to do that because they're forced or or being forced to do it and um that's and obviously when a when nvidia has a problem like this the last thing they're telling the people to do right now is we all need to develop this open source driver right now no they, they their security team is on this they're working with their security team they're working with their it team and all that so they they're not doing that right now i can i mean i don't know that for sure i haven't spoke to anyone at nvidia but i would highly doubt that anyone there, unless they were already coincidentally working on an open source driver, that they're working on it now. And even if they were, the whole company is on this, most likely. So um, even they're, if they're they not were, right now. even if they were working on that driver, they would never release it just to, to comply with the ransomware. It's not how it right. works. It's no, it's, it's absolutely not. I, I hope Nvidia makes that decision someday. Um, I do like yeah. their products. I'd like them even more if they were fully open source because I would, I mean, I'd be happier to use it. But right now I just kind of, um, I'm going to keep following this as I, as I know you are and we'll see what develops out of this story because uh, like we said earlier, there's something else going on here. I don't know what yet, but there, yeah. there's something else that's going to come out. And it's really interesting to see that even following, I don't know, zero trust security, there's still a way to get in. There's always a way to get in. Um, you just yep. have to do your utmost to delay it and to stop as many of the attacks as possible. But keep in mind what we usually say, there's no 100% security. Nobody has that. Nobody can give you that. You just can yep. be as protected as you can possibly manage, but 100%, it's impossible. Overconfidence is the enemy of security yeah. because... But but it's it's sometimes I feel like it's the industry, not necessarily the experts. It's the non-experts that are marketing, right? Like you're not marketing a product, then the marketer, the person marketing whatever the product is, they're not going to be like, well, this is a mediocre product that has a twenty percent chance of fixing your problem, but we got a good price on it. So if you want it, here it is. I don't think marketing works that way. So it's like, of course they're gonna say, like, this is gonna make you secure. This is gonna like fix everything. It's gonna, you know, increase your security. Yeah, it'll increase your security, but they sometimes say, you know, more than that. And then, you know, CTOs, CEOs look at this and, oh yeah, let, I want that. I want that perfect security that they're selling. I want I want to yeah. get that and I want to get that implemented. Um, obviously, IT people know better than that, but, you know, it's always this um, scenario where if, if anyone gets overconfident that their security is the best, it's always low-hanging fruit. You can have like the most state-of-the-art, as, as you know, full well, you have the state-of-the-art security, the best ever, it's still not going to be perfect because there's still 
you know, that Raspberry Pi or that server in the closet or that one router that everybody thought was disconnected, but is strangely still plugged in and working um, or that one server that everyone forgot that was still there because they thought it was decommissioned that hasn't been updated in 10 years. And then um, they use that to get in. There's always something. It's just one of those things. I, I, I Obviously, if there was a um, way to have perfect security, we would be telling you to do that. And the podcast series would be one episode long and we'd be done and there'd be nothing else yeah. to talk about. But yeah, the very fact that we're on 21 episodes now tells you probably everything you need to know about security right there. <laughs> yeah. And it won't stop here, by the way. So, mm -hmm. um, but um, but to your point, yeah, overselling a product and then under delivering it, it happens every day, and you really cannot go after the hype, or else you'll be you'll be fooling yourself. Like we've always said, there's no hundred percent security. You just can do the best. You can try to do the best possible in any given situation, but there is no guarantee of total security. That's right. Um, and you can see through NVIDIA, nobody doubts that they have a great security team. Nobody doubts that they have good practices in place because they have to, or else this would have happened way, way earlier than it has. Right. I mean, all of these big companies, all of these big names, they're targeted day in, day out by lots of different uh, malicious actors. And you don't hear about it because most of them cannot get in. And in this case, you hear about it because it's news that somebody did get in, and they managed to delay this by years. And that's how a long until someone is playing a computer game and they notice that their frames per second is ten lower with a new driver, and they get so upset <laughs> that they just got to hack someone and and hack in and show them that it ruins ruins their gaming. Um, how dare you? Your driver is horrible. I mean, it's just. I mean, it's kind of funny. Like uh, Steve Gibson on uh, security now i'm pretty sure if i remember correctly he refers to all of these things as security theater <laughs> that's a good way to look at it it really is it's like <laughs> yeah. this ongoing security soap opera that yeah. uh, there's all these different players but it's actually more entertaining than there's no love story here although hackers love to you know hack obviously but there's all <laughs> these different things and um it's like sometimes i'm i'm looking at these stories I'm like you can't even make this up you can't even make this yeah. stuff up i wouldn't have thought nvidia would be the next target but then again there's nothing separating them from any other company that has a little hanging fruit so you can't make up that nvidia managed to have to encrypt the attackers uh, system that's amazing first how the attackers still had that system connected the only thing hacking 101 you should run you don't do something like this and stay connected you take your whatever you can and you get the hell away <laughs> leaving it connected yeah you're asking for trouble they can trace you back that's one way to find you that um, is one way yeah absolutely i feel like the only yeah you're right you couldn't have predicted this but i think the only story that i'm aware of and I, I can't remember how long ago this was that that's funnier than this, or I shouldn't say funny because it's not a funny situation, um, yeah. but unpredictable. But this one is funny where I can't remember the printer manufacturer. There's a limited number of printers, obviously, and, and printers are a swear word in IT. We all hate printers, right? <laughs> do you love printers? I don't think you do, right? No. Um, but they they there was this, um, I'm trying to remember now, like a, a exposure that, this, that these printers are being used for like DDoS attacks. And the manufacturer obviously de, you know decommissioned that model they don't write the driver anymore and then someone wrote malware that goes around fixing it <laughs> goes around fixing and patching up this 
um, this problem because the manufacturer couldn't be bothered to fix it themselves. So some clever person wrote malware that just goes through and close. I don't know if it was closing a port or what it was doing, but it was actually fixing everyone's printer and making them so they're not vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> Which remember- is absolutely illegal. Don't do that. Um, it doesn't make a difference about legality here because, you know, if you're, it, it, you know, getting into people's systems, it doesn't matter if you're trying to like help or you yeah. think you're helping. If you um, don't have permission, it's illegal. Right. But that person decided that that's what they were going to do. And I, I should probably look up that story, see if I could find it and, and whatever happened to that individual, if he <laughs> got caught or not. But it was still funny. Like, it's literally like a vigilante type of thing going on, like the I Batman seem, of software. <laughs> I seem to recall something like that, but it wasn't printers. It was routers, like the Helm routers. Was it routers? I, I guess it's so easy to blame printers because it, it, <laughs> it's either DNS or printers usually, right? Yeah. Um, but I think it was routers. Uh, I remember okay. that story, but... It, was, I don't know, a year ago. Time just compresses with all this weird stuff going around. around the world. I don't even yeah. know what day of the week it is. Yeah. It's uh, January 17th or something like that from 2020. Uh, but uh, I digress. Um, I believe it was routers. It was some, some flaw in routers that uh, someone on the internet decided to start fixing it because it's really easy to to scan for them. Uh, I, re- I know you mentioned Shodan mm-hmm. recently. And yeah, Shodan is one way to scan the whole internet to find something. So if you're looking for that particular service and you want to patch all the systems that have it, Shodan will give you the list of IPs that you need to connect to. So you have the list, you have your script that uploads to those and shuts the service down, for example, and ta-da, you protected those servers. (laughs) You're a vigilante. Yeah, the Batman of uh, (laughs) patching. (laughs) I will patch your servers in the night. Oh my gosh, that is so, that's classic. Um, but but in all seriousness, though, um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, you know, like you, like we said a few times, we don't condone anything that we're mentioning here. We might snicker about some things yeah. just because of the irony involved there doesn't mean that we're trying to have a fan obviously be the next person we joke about. Um, it's not about that. But sometimes I feel like security is just such a train wreck a lot of times that you have to laugh about it to kind of keep your sanity sometimes because there's just always something um, that that's going on. And, you know, I, I can't even predict what's going to come next. I, I I've given up on this. Like, I, I don't even know, like next time we could be talking about, um, someone's stuffed animal is cloud controlled and ends up breaking into, um, Amazon, I, whatever, right. All kinds of things. And NVIDIA is that, you know, we, we talked about that. We talked about the new specter variant that, like you said, you know, nobody ever saw that coming. Yeah. Um, and then dirty pipe is, is now a thing and that's coming after log four J, uh, I think when we said that this is going to be an interesting um, security year, I think we undersold that statement. Yeah, I think we considered the whole year, but it's only been like two and a half months or three months starting now or something like that. Right. It's already the show that it is. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And by the way, um, I'm personally rooting for NVIDIA security team here. I hope they manage to fix everything and close the, the hole that uh, allowed the attackers in. And yeah, I hope they manage to get their data back and it doesn't get leaked. Yeah, I mean, I hope all the same. Um, and it, it's such a frustrating situation because um, I don't know what NVIDIA is like internally. I've never worked with them. I never talked to them. Um, I just have to imagine that the their, their security and IT teams are really stressed out, really overworked right now, just like a lot of us are. But it's just one of these things that, that happens that um, we see what the company statements are. 
and what the news is saying, but on the inside, it's usually yeah. a lot worse. There's a lot of people that are working hard on this that are, you know, giving up personal time for this. So hopefully, you know, everyone at NVIDIA settles down soon into, um, you know, whatever their norm is at the company. I know they work hard and, um, Hopefully this just um, goes in a good direction because it's kind of not <laughs> to say it to say it the least way. But yeah, it, it, it's important to to come out and say this when you're doing when you're hacking when you're doing black hat stuff. Everything you're doing, all the gains that you may get, are offset by the the hurt that you're causing other people. Right. You're not uh, personally stabbing them or something like that, but you are hurting them personally. They will be spending more time at work. They will probably get in trouble at work. There will be issues inside of the company that we will never be aware of. There are probably there have already probably been dozens of meetings at NVIDIA, damage control and what to do next and how to cope with the situation and all that, and everything caused by this uh, hacking group. And yeah, that's a lot of hurt and a lot of grief that you're causing for some gain that you might expect to get from this, but in the end, you're probably going to get a visit from the FBI. You you probably are, and we've seen this before. It All it takes is one packet to escape your VPN because it disconnected or, and this has happened, we've yeah. talked about this. The silk all roads. it takes. Um, and then another thing to realize is that, you know, some, especially entry-level hackers, I think they're so... Um, amazing because they tunneled their internet connection through someone else's computer somewhere else. But what they don't realize is that the only thing that sets them or keeps them safe from getting thrown in jail is how many subpoenas the other end is willing to go through to get to them. So if they've, you know, tunneled their their connection through another computer, that's one subpoena. If they've go, gone 10 different computers that they have 10 different tunnels or something, um, it's just going to slow them down a bit. They're subpoena, subpoena, subpoena. Oh, there's the person right there. That's all it takes. I don't yeah. care if you're using Tor, um, whatever. It's, it's just, um, no, uh, just don't. Responsible disclosure is better because you could tell people about a problem before the news gets a hold of it, give them a chance to fix it, let them know what's going on. Um, you know, but then uh, again, we I say that with caution because some companies out there, I don't, I'm not going to say which ones, um, you know, you, you report an issue, they're going to like try to call the police because they don't understand how this works. You're trying to do something good, but responsible disclosure, knowing, you know, what the right um, channels are and the right way to do this is very important and it can lead to a really great career um, for sure. That's a very fun career. You're actually helping people, but this whole ransom stuff, I mean, even if you do get that million dollars, I really hope you enjoy it for the month of freedom you have left before yeah. the police haul you away. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, it's, it's not worth it. Especially when you're dealing with this type of companies because NVIDIA is large enough that they will subpoena everybody and their neighbors to get to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. So, yeah, that's been another great episode yet again. Yeah. We had a lot to talk about today. And I don't know what next week's episode is going to be just yet, but it's either going to be an educational topic or an, oh, my God, you'll never guess what happened topic. I'm not sure. Yeah, what. another variant of Spectre, I could guess. But that's just me. Oh, we'll boy. see what okay. comes up. Or Log4j again, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Until the next one. All right. Thank you, everyone. Bye.